Have, has anybody in here struggled with fear? Um, fear's been one of those things in my life. Um, I feel like I've got some honest people here and a bunch of liars here. Um, I don't know what that's about. We're in church. We can be honest. We're going to try that again. Anybody in here ever struggled in fear? There we go, right? Um, fear is one of those things that takes hold in our lives. Um, it comes out of nowhere, but in an instant, it, it, it rears its, its ugly head. It takes hold. It begins to impact us in significant ways. And, and fear can be a good thing, right? Um, I don't place my hand on a hot stove um, because I'm not stupid, but be also because I'm kind of afraid of burns. Right? I don't want to get burned. That's a bad thing. Um, and, and so fear in, in that type of sense can actually be healthy, right? We can have a healthy type of fear, but, but not all fear is healthy. There's actually a fear that we need to be unchained from. And um, to the title of tonight's message is that Unchained from Fear. And, and what we're going to do um, over the next few weeks is we're going to have a series called Unchained. And, and each week, I want to talk about something that God's given us freedom over in our lives that we continue to walk in bondage with, that we continue to drag along with us and allow it to be leveraged against us by the enemy, by the God of this world to keep us from God's plan and God's purpose. And fear is one of those. Again, and I'm not talking about the type of fear you have about um, a hot stove or um, maybe you self-employed people, not the fear you have for the IRS. You know, that's not what I'm talking about here. That there's a type of fear, right, um, that, that God um, doesn't present us with, that doesn't, doesn't come from him. And, and it comes solely from the enemy. And it's unique purpose, again, is, is to keep us trapped. And so, again, unchained from fear. There's two types of fear. Um, there's a fear that comes um, that we have with God. And um, we see it in our Bible, fear, fear God, fear of the Lord. Um, and, and when we see that, it's actually a different Greek and Hebrew word than we would see with the type of fear we're going to talk about tonight. That kind that, that pertains to God has to do with a reverence and awe of God, that, that we're fearful of God because he's beyond our understanding right? That his glory is, is so great, so magnificent that, that we have this fear, again, that's in awe and reverence of just the, the vastness, greatness, holiness of God. That is a great fear, right? We should fear the Lord in that sense, right? We, we should um, be revered in, in who he is and, and, and honor him and recognize his authority in our lives. That's a healthy kind of fear. And then there's another kind of fear, the kind that holds us back. This type of fear is faith in reverse or faith contaminated, right? It, it's the opposite of trusting God, right? And in, in, in the unseen promises, it's the opposite of that. This fear is when we believe our circumstances are bigger than God. Has anybody ever found themselves in that position where, where what you face, you feel like is bigger than God, that, that you've been faithful up until a point, but, but then you face this and you begin to be discouraged. And, and you say, God, God can't have this. God can't move here. He must be done with me, or um, this is just, this would be on there, or maybe it caught him off guard, whatever we convince ourselves of. But for whatever reason, we convince ourselves that this situation is greater than God. Fear equips and empowers us to fail. It equips and empowers us to fail, to fall short. Think about that, that, that the type of fear that the enemy wants to trap us in equips us for failure. It paralyzes us and causes us to make poor decisions and choices. That there's a certain type of fear that, that keeps us, again, from taking maybe that step that God has for us. 
Because I don't know about you, as I've followed God, he's asked me to go into some unknown places that didn't make a lick of sense. And I'm like, God, why would you do this? This being one of them, when God called me to ministry, I was overcome with fear. God, why would you do that? I'm, I'm not the most intelligent person. I, I didn't graduate high school. I'm, I've been arrested a lot. I have all of these things. God, this, this is fearful. I'm not going to make any money. I can't pay my bills. Right? And all these things came from the enemy, not from God. And, and all of these things were meant to freeze me in place, right? To keep me from taking that step of obedience towards God's plan and God's purpose. Fear works like a magnet and attracts or draws the very things that we fear most. It'll, it'll draw them in. A fear of failure keeps us paralyzed from moving forward, right? From acting on anything, thus brings about failure. You ever think about that? We can be so stuck. We can be so stuck that the inaction itself becomes the failure that we were so worried about. I was so worried and fearful about sobriety for such a long time that I didn't think I could do it. And so I just didn't get sober. It it kept me trapped, right? (laughs) It brought about the very thing I was fearful for. I didn't want to lose my life in addiction, but I didn't think I could do it. So I just stayed in addiction. It's insanity. And we give in to this fear in our lives time and time again. Scenario after scenario. Fear, it keeps us in bondage to sin, addictions, strongholds. It keeps us in bondage to the enemy. And these are things, again, that God has freed us from. God God has broken the chains of fear in our lives. And we want to look at that tonight. We want to look at fear in the context of God's word, the the truths that he has for us. Because as I stepped into my relationship and I, I endeavored to be obedient, I don't know about you, but this was a wall that I hit time and time again. And if I'm not mindful, if, if I'm not aware, if I'm not intentional, it's a wall that I hit to this day. I find myself unable to move forward because of what people might think, because I might fail, because I might miss it, I might mess up, because I won't be enough, because maybe God doesn't have it. And this isn't a fear that comes from God. That's not the fear that's in reverence of who he is, right? Because that kind of fear reveals that there's nothing I face that God can't handle. But, but the fear from the God of this world puts God in a box and it puts me in chains. And it puts you in chains. We've got to begin to break those and find the freedom that he has for us. I want us to to open up in 2 Timothy. 2 Timothy um, chapter 1, verse 3. Um, Timothy was a letter written by the apostle Paul. Um, And so Timothy um, was like a spiritual son to Paul. Paul was a spiritual father to Timothy. They were incredibly close. They were co-workers um, in, in the body. Um, and, and Paul like raised up Timothy, right? Um, taught him, mentored him, um, steered him in the right direction. Um, but Timothy was young in the church um, and, and he faced some opposition. He faced some difficulties. Um, he actually faced some cowardice um, to some degree that, that Paul had to address because Timothy began to deal with fear. And so 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse 3, it says this, Timothy, and this is Paul talking, I thank God for you, the God I serve with a clear conscience, just as my ancestors did night 
and day. I constantly remember you in my prayers and I long to see you again. For I remember your tears as we parted and I will be filled with joy when we are together again. And I left that in there just to paint a picture of the type of relationship that Paul and Timothy had. I mean, they, they were brothers. They were friends. They were close. Um, I mean, I, I think about, you know, some of my close friends, and I would never, ever write anything like this about any of them, right? I mean, they're okay, but not like this, man. I, I wish... I wish I had something like this. And they were so close. And then in in verse five, it says, I remember your genuine faith. I remember your genuine faith for you shared the faith that first filled your grandmother, Louise, and your your mother, Eunice. And and I know that same faith continues strong in you. What an encouragement that Paul has for Timothy. And this is why I remind you to fan into flames the spiritual gift God gave you when I laid my hands on you. And so Paul encourages him in this friendship. I mean, he lets him know, like, I'm for you, brother. Like, I'm, I'm right by your side. Just, just, this is a picture of our relationship. And then he encourages him. I, the faith you have is strong. I remember it's the same faith that, that I've seen here in the spiritual gift God's given you. It's great. And, and I bring up all this to say that even though this is a letter that's written to Timothy by Paul, this is true of each of us. When we look at God's word, he's called every single one of us to something great. And it's not, it's not addiction. That's not what it is. It's not struggles in our marriage. It's not cowardice in our lives, right? It, it's to be, to be bold, to be leaders in the church. We we know from God's word that he's given each of us a spiritual gift. And even though here, this is specifically to Timothy, he says, I remind you to fan into the flames the spiritual gift that God gave you. Well, God's given each of you a gift that needs fanned in the flames. And the thing that happens though, is that we step in to the body of Christ and and we submit it and, and we become faithful followers, but then we begin to act in fear. And rather than engage in what God's called us to, we just become spectators and we sit week after week, too afraid to get involved because maybe we won't know what we're doing. Maybe we'll look ridiculous. Maybe we'll make a fool of ourselves. Maybe we'll do something wrong. Maybe somebody will see you and they know what you did last week and you don't deserve to be serving here um, or this, that, and the other. And it keeps us from God's plan and God's purpose right where the enemy wants us. Because if we are kept from that, then we're kept from all of it, right? Maybe it keeps you from a life that's completely sober and surrendered. Maybe it keeps you from a marriage that's fulfilling and loving, one where you value your spouse. Maybe it keeps you from the family and the children that you so long to have in your heart if the enemy can keep you trapped in fear. And so Paul is encouraging Timothy here in a similar way that I want to encourage you. And he goes on and he says this, for God, say for God. For God God has not given us, say us. So we know this is about all of us, right? Has not given us. He's not given us a spirit of fear and timidity, but of power, say power. And love, say love. Love. And self-discipline, say self-discipline. This group's doing great over here. You guys are failing. I don't know what your problem is. I'm going to need a little more life out of you guys. Maybe some of you next week can go sit over there, help them. Um, but, But he's given us a spirit, not of fear, not of timidity, but of, of power. 
of love, of self-discipline. Now, I don't know about you. When I came into the church, when I came into sobriety, these are not three words that I would use to describe myself. Yet they were given to me upon salvation. God's spirit was on the inside. Unbeknownst to me, I had the ability to love like Jesus, though I wasn't walking in it. I had, a, I had the power, not because of my strength, but because of God's strength living in me to overcome the things in my life that kept me trapped. I had self-discipline, something I never, ever had had before in my life. Um, people close to me can attest to that. But, but God gives it to us, gifts us to it. He gifted it to Timothy. He's gifted it to us because it's a part of his spirit indwelling us. It says, for God has not given us a spirit of fear and timidity, but of power, love, and self-discipline. Now, the type of fear that, that Paul is referring to here is not the reverence of God. It's not the emotional fear that, that keeps us from doing something we shouldn't do. It's, it's completely different. The, the word here is actually dilea, and it means timidity, fearfulness, cowardice. That the spirit from the, the world, from the God of this world, that, that comes upon us, that keeps us from God's call, is one that turns us to cowards. That's a word I can relate to. I can look back at so much of my life where I was too much of a coward to stand up for what's right. I was too much of a coward to open my mouth. I was too much of a coward to treat people in my life the way that I should. I've been too much of a coward at times to just go to my wife and apologize, to go to my children and apologize, to go to my coworkers and say, I've been wrong. And it's been a spirit of fear that keeps me trapped in that. I was too much of a coward to get sober for almost 20 years. Too much of a coward to, to share my story of God's glory because I didn't want people to know that I'd been molested. Too much of a coward here and there, time and time again. And it kept me chained and in bondage when God had already placed his spirit inside of me and offered me freedom, but I couldn't see it. I refused to walk in it. I didn't understand what had taken place, but God doesn't give us a spirit of fear. He gives us one of power and love and self-discipline. The Amplified Version, um, and I've been using this some here lately. I, I want to encourage you at times, if you've got the Version Bible app, what's great is we have all of our notes on there. You can check out these notes, but it allows you to switch between certain versions. You know, we use what's called the New Living Translation a lot. The Amplified is easy to read, but it expands on the information, and, and it puts it this way. It says, for God did not give us a spirit of timidity or cowardice or fear, but he has given us a spirit of power and of love and of sound judgment. How many of you could use some of that in your lives? Man, I've seen the way some of you jump around a relationship to relationship. Man, you need the spirit of God in you right now. I've watched it. Just stop. Just stop. Um, of sound judgment. Personal discipline, worse people need personal discipline, right? Like, we need that, right? I, I'm, I struggle in that still, and I got to be reminded God's given it to me. I got to walk in it. So I got to stop letting fear keep me away from it. 
sound judgment and personal discipline, abilities that result in a calm, well-balanced mind and self-control. Hey, what a beautiful picture of what the Spirit of God working on the inside of us looks like, the fruit that it brings in our lives. When we break the chains of fear and begin to walk in the boldness that Christ has given us. Again, there's a fear that doesn't come from God. It holds us back. It's in opposition to God. The lives he's given us, power and self-discipline. And then there's the spirit of God that breaks it all wide open. It allows us to do great things for his glory, to overcome mountains, to triumph, all because of what he's done. So tonight, I want us to look, I want us to look at three things that in that passage I find to be in direct opposition to fear. And that's power, it's love, and it's self-discipline. I want us to look at what happens when we walk in the fullness of what God's given us. And I want us to start with love. So if you guys would, if you would open up your Bibles to 1 John chapter 4, verse 9. 1 John chapter 4, verse 9. I just want to point this out. I got a message from my, my sister because I'm sitting here. And, uh, you know, she's harassing me because of the way I talk. I talk like a redneck. And she's pointing out the fact that, that I say um, Timothy wrong. Um, so, if you would, honey, if you would hand her that microphone real quick. Um, where's it at? Where's the microphone? It's not up here? Oh, you've ruined my life. All right. You got off easy tonight. You got off easy tonight. So, um, for those of you who don't know, I am an uneducated redneck, right? Um, thank you, thank you, thank you. Take that, take that, Satan. That'll teach you. First John, First John, chapter four, verse nine. Um, First John, chapter four, verse nine. It said, "God showed how much He loved us by sending his one and only son into the world so that we might have eternal life through him. So that's a truth I wanna share. What is that? God showed his love for us by sending Christ Jesus to live and to die for us. If you jump down to verse 13, and it says, and God has given us his spirit as proof that we live in him and he lives in us. So two things there. God showed his love by sending Jesus and out of God's love, he gave us his spirit. This is the same spirit that Paul refers to right in his letter to Timothy, one that gives us power, love, and self-control. And then if we jump down to verse 16, 1 John 4, 16, it says, we know how much God loves us and we have put our trust in his love. How do we know how much God loves us? He gave us Jesus, right? And he placed his spirit inside of us. And that's one of the reasons that we do life differently, right? God's way as Christians, as Jesus followers, as we come into the church, as we, you know, break the, the shackles of secular recovery and have Christ-centered recovery. That's one of the things that sets it apart because now we're walking in God's love and we have his spirit inside of us. It goes on, it says, God is love and all who live, um, who live in love live in God 
and God lives in them. Um, I do want to take a moment. If you didn't catch uh, yesterday's sermon by Pastor Rick, um, he, he expels on this quite a bit or expounds. Or I'm sure I'm saying some word wrong. My sister will ask me about later. Um, but, but, God, um, but Pastor Rick really explains this, that we're not talking about worldly love, right? That, that seeing God as love sometimes um, confuses us, and then we think God looks like the way that the world defines love. No, God defines love. Love does not define God, but God is love. And so if we live in love, we live in God, and God lives in them. And as we live in God, our love grows more perfect. So we will not be afraid on the day of judgment, but we can face him with confidence because we live like Jesus here in this world. So as we lean into God, God's love transforms us. It does a work in us. I, I know for me, one of the ways it's done that, I now cry at movies like, I mean, it's embarrassing. I don't even like it. I mean, my wife makes fun of me. And, and you know, I just say, it's just God's love, honey. I'm sorry. Um, and I'll, I'll try not to be, be so Christ-like anymore. Um, but it says, so we will not be afraid on the day of judgment and we can face him with confidence because we live like Jesus here in this world. And then he goes on in verse 18. He says this, such love, such love has no fear. Now, we're not talking about worldly love. We're talking about love as defined by the living, breathing God of the universe, right? Father, God, creator, such love as, as that has no fear. Because perfect love, say perfect love. Perfect love expels all fear, if we are afraid, it is for fear of punishment, and this shows that we have not fully experienced his love. And so point number one tonight is this, God's love breaks the chains of fear. Um, I'm going to have my son Evan. Evan, will you come up here? Will you bring, bring that to me? <clears throat> yeah, they come up here. All right. Are you embarrassed? A little. <laughs> A little. <laughs> so... Um, We've all seen a chain, right? Um, if you're from Oklahoma, you probably got a rusty one sitting in a bucket in your backyard, um, right? Um, or we at least grew up with that. Um, and your dad says, don't touch that. Um, but when we look at chains, some things come to mind, right? I mean, chains are heavy. They're strong. Um, it's something that um, by looking at this, I... I'm under no um, delusions that I could break this with my bare hands, right? Um, if I were to be um, bound in this, um, I, again, I'm under no um, delusions that somehow I could free myself by ripping this apart. Um, chains have been a representative, uh, they've represented um, bondage, right? We've seen that. If something's chained up, it, it's captive, um, whatever it may be. And, and so we see that and chains kind of become a picture of that. And it's a, it's a stronghold. And so when we look at point number one, God's love breaks the chains of fear. Um, the fear of this world, I'm convinced, can only be broken by God's love. If God didn't give us a spirit of fear, but one of love, and, and the opposite of the spirit of love is a spirit of what? Fear, right? So if it's not this or that, it's kind of like a, a this or that statement. God didn't give you a spirit of fear. He gave you one of power, love, self-discipline. And so the opposite of power, love, self-discipline is what this section right here that's been really disengaged. It's fear. <laughs> He's given us a spirit of fear. But God's love, God's love, it, it places his spirit inside of us. What did God's love look like? It looked like 
the living, breathing son of God coming down to this, this place, right? And dying is a sacrifice. And, and when we accept that, we have a spirit inside of us. And that spirit breaks the chains of fear, right? It's like the starting point. Absent of God's love in our life, I don't believe you can walk in freedom from fear. And I believe that's one of the things that, that keeps people trapped, that especially in recovery and addiction, we, we fail to step out of worldly fear because we fail to step into a relationship with Jesus. And absent of a relationship with Jesus, we, we always will always be chained to this world, right? We can't be free of the God of this world unless we've been freed by Jesus. We can't break this. God can right, through the sacrifice of Jesus. And through the sacrifice of Jesus, we look at that, we receive his spirit and his spirit breaks the chains of fear. It allows us to operate in love, power, and self-discipline. And so again, point number one, God's love breaks the chains of fear. And sometimes we're afraid. Sometimes the spirit of fear overcomes us. And to overcome it, we need to trust completely in God. That as God called me into ministry, uh, I didn't need to trust in my own abilities. All the negative things I thought about myself were right. I, I am uneducated, right? I, I, I have done things that, that are bad by definition. Um, I wasn't qualified for this. I'm still not qualified for this, right? All of those things are true. And if I view them through the lens of the world, then, then it's accurate. But if I view them through the lens of what God's done for me, right, he's redeemed me, he's made me right, um, then, then they're not true anymore, and, and that's, that's dealt with. I just have to trust completely in what God's done for me and what God can do, right? We, we sang about it in that last song. He's still moving, right? He's still working. He's, he's still doing this. We have to trust in, in that God, and we need to trust completely and, and not allow worries of the future to keep us stuck, concerns of the past to paralyze us. We don't need to be worrying about being right enough. God's made us right. We don't need to worry about the mistakes of our past, which, which are many. God's redeemed us of those. Unless you have a court case, you still need to go to court. And I'm not saying that you can avoid that. But God's dealt with things on a spiritual level, right? The unknown, God's handled that. And so again, point number one, God's love breaks the chains of fear. Turn with me to Ephesians 3 as we look at point number two. Um, I'm going to begin hurrying because I've joked too much tonight and I've gotten behind. Um, in the beginning of Ephesians, uh, Paul lays out some truth. So if we look at that, um, and it's this, we're made alive in Christ. We have oneness in Jesus, right? We have unity in the body. We are God's temple, right? The holy place where he dwells. We're God's body. These are truths that Paul lays out at the beginnings of Ephesians. And then he lays out how all of this in salvation was God's plan from the beginning. It's, it's a beautiful letter. I spent a ton of time the last few weeks to study in Ephesians. I encourage you to do the same. Then he transitions to this prayer for spiritual growth. And so um, when we look at our Bibles, when we look at God's word, sometimes we forget these are letters, right? That the, the chapters and the verse numbers, those weren't there. It wasn't like, you know, Paul wrote Ephesians and the Ephesians were reading and, and now chapter four, verse one. It's not what he did, right? It was just a long letter and, and some of it's prayers, and things like this. And so this is a prayer for spiritual growth, Ephesians 3, verse 14. And it says this, when I think of all this, when he thinks of what? That we're made alive in Christ, that we have oneness in Jesus, that we're God's temple, that this was all God's plan from the beginning. When I think of all this, I fall to my knees in, in reverence, in fear to God, right, of who he is. I fall to my knees and pray to the Father, the creator of everything in heaven and on earth. I pray 
I pray from his, say his, his, his glorious unlimited resources. He will empower you with inner strength through his spirit. I love just that thought there that Paul's praying for the Ephesians here for spiritual growth. And it doesn't have to do with what they have. It doesn't have to do with what he has. It has solely to do with what God has. I pray that from his glorious unlimited resources, he will empower, say empower, empower you with inner strength through his spirit. That's so incredible to think about because if, if God is empowering the Ephesians, Paul's praying for them and they can receive that, how beautiful that is for us, right? Because I don't know about you, but I'm weak and broken, absent of Christ, right? I, I, I'm inadequate. I, I know that. That's, that's, that's part of the thing that brought me to my knees and surrendered to him. And then he says, then Christ will make his home in your hearts as you trust in him. Your roots will grow down into God's love and keep you strong. And may you have the power to understand as all God's people should, how wide, how long, how high, and how deep his love is. I love that. And may you have the power, the power to understand, not the ability, not the privilege, the power to understand, as all people, God's people should, how wide, how long, how high, and how deep God's love is. May you experience the love of Christ, though it is too great to understand fully. Then you will be made complete. Say complete. complete. With all the fullness of life and power. Say power. Power, power that comes from God. It's, it's almost as if God's said he's going to empower us as we surrender to Jesus. Yet so many of us go around like whoop dogs complaining about how we can't do anything about the way our life is, how we just continue to be victims and, and continue to be stuck and continue to be frozen in fear, completely ignoring the fact that God actually empowered us to do a lot more than sit on our butts. It's to be active members in God's body. The beginning of Ephesians talks about this unity. We're God's temple, right? We're, we're a part of God's family. We're a part of the body of Christ. And I don't know about you, but if I had a part of my body that just didn't do anything, I would consider it to be useless. And as we step in, we've got to recognize God's empowered us, empowered us to carry out his will, his plan, his purpose. Then you will be made complete with all the fullness of life and power that comes from God. Now all glory to God who is able through his mighty power, not from yours, not from mine, not from Pastor Rick's, not from your wife or your husband, but God will work through what he has, right? Paul explains that at the beginning. I pray that from his glorious resources, he will empower you. So now all glory to God who is able through his mighty power at work within us, to accomplish infinitely, say infinitely, infinitely more than we might ask or think. Glory to him in the church and in Christ Jesus through all generations forever and ever. Amen. Amen. And amen, if you didn't know, so be it. So, so be it that, that God would move in such a significant way, that he would empower us through his resources to do his will through his mighty power at work in us to accomplish infinitely more 
than we might ask. And I came to this very church for years, stuck in addiction, asking God, please take it away. And I continued to be an addict until I realized God had already freed me. And he's like, Aaron, why, why are you, I, it's done. It's done. Like, just now move in it. You, and, and there may be things in your life. Maybe it's an addiction that you continue to hold on to and you keep praying to God and saying, God, deal with this. And, and he's, he's he saved you, right? You, you have his spirit on the inside of you, a spirit of, of power and of love and self-discipline. And you keep asking God, God, deal with this. Has he? He's placed the spirit of power, love, self-discipline. Maybe you fail to walk in it. Maybe, maybe you, you fail to just accept what's already been done for you because you're paralyzed by fear because you're too concerned that, that God wasn't big enough to deal with it or, or that your addiction's just too great or, or God's caught off guard or surprised or, or any of these things that, that somehow he just wasn't able to. Maybe you're too afraid to just humble yourself and completely surrender to him, to just let go of it and be free. Again, point number two, fear keeps us from experiencing God's power. Fear keeps us from experiencing what he's done in our lives and what he's freed us from. Ephesians 6.10, it's not up here, um, in 11. It says a final word, be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. Put on all of God's armor so that you will be able to stand firm against all strategies of the devil. Addiction, lust, divorce, these things that, that he attacks us with. God's, through his power, has dealt with these and he's provided us with a defense against them. And so again, point number two, fear keeps us from experiencing God's power. Um, turn with me to 1 Peter chapter 1 as we um, close tonight. Um, 1 Peter um, chapter 1, verse 3, it says this, All praise to God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. It is by his great mercy that we have been born again because God raised Jesus Christ from the dead. Now we live with great expectation and we have a priceless inheritance, an inheritance that is kept in heaven for you, pure and undefiled, beyond the reach of change and decay. And so um, right here, um, he's talking about this great promise of God, right? As, as sons and daughters of Christ, right, if we've received salvation, he lives on the inside of us, we get, that we get to look forward to heaven. Uh, unfortunately, so many of us just kind of stop there. And again, then we're stuck in this world and this life, and we just continue to get our teeth kicked in, not, not recognizing, hey, God's, God's dealt with a lot. Um, he goes on, he says, so prepare your minds for action, and exercise self-control. I love that. Prepare your minds for action. And the reason I love that is because I, I see so many people in the church who don't do anything. Um, they, don't, they don't serve. Um, they show up for a message. They don't actively read God's word, right? And you may be in this room. You may be really irritated with what I'm saying right now. Good. Um, like we have to, we have to, it's, it's an action, right? Um, we're, we're not called just to be pew sitters or, you know, sit in seats. It's, it's just not it. Um, and when we do that, we're not operating what God's given us. And, and I believe oftentimes, again, this is my opinion. I believe oftentimes it's why so much 
of the church still struggles in so much sin it, it, because they're just they're not walking in what God's done. Again, I, I'm going to read this again. Prepare your minds for action. Say action. Action is us engaged. Like we engage in the things of God. Prepare your minds for action and exercise self-control. Can you exercise something that you don't possess? No, you can't. That leads me to believe that God's given you self-control. And so when you mess up and you claim that you couldn't help yourself, I call crap. Same is true for me. If I do something that's wrong, I just... I refuse to operate in self-control that God's given me. I have the ability. Because the alternative is me claiming that somehow what God's done in my life was inadequate. The, the alternative is me claiming that somehow God is not greater than the things in my life. How untrue is that? So to claim that somehow God didn't handle what we struggle with is just flat out wrong exercise self-control because it's been given to us. Put all your hope in the gracious salvation that will come to you when Jesus Christ is revealed to the world. So you must live as God's obedient children. I'm gonna, I'm gonna pause on that just for a moment. I know we're running really late, but as God's obedient children, obedient children listen. And, and so God's words called this to action. It's called this to these things. And if we're disobedient in it, then we are going to miss the things of God, right? But the more that we listen, accept, store in our heart, follow the things of God, we're operating as God's obedient children. So we must live as God's obedient children. Don't slip back into your old ways of living to satisfy your own desires. Don't slip back into your old ways to satisfy your own desires. And I'm gonna pause there too because so many of us, so many of us claim that so many things are attacks on our lives where maybe it's just your flesh and your inability or unwillingness to surrender things to God. The lust, maybe you still struggle in pornography. Maybe you just fail to set it down. You fail to operate in self-control and you'd rather give in to your own desires. Addiction, substance abuse. You ever thought that it's not the enemy attacking you? It's just you failing, again, to operate in what God's given you. That as we become children of God, as we accept him, he's done so much more for us than we realize. It's so much more than fire insurance or just, you know, we, one day I'll get to heaven and, and things will be completely different. There, there's things now. You're not meant to sit in that seat doing nothing until Christ comes back. You're meant to be engaged and involved. And so, so, so you must live as God's obedient children. Don't slip back into your old ways of living to satisfy your own desires. You didn't know any better then. When? Before Jesus. Before salvation before his spirit of power and love and self-discipline was inside of you. You didn't know any different then, but now you must be holy in everything you do, just as God who chose you is holy. So breaking the chains of fear 
It allows us to experience a sound mind. And point number three is this. Fear keeps us trapped in old mindsets. Fear keeps us trapped in old mindsets. Uh, Don Long's not here, but I love something she says. She says, you know, we don't live that way no more. We don't live that way no more. That, that fear keeps us stuck living that way, in that cycle of brokenness, uh, unable to walk in, in the freedom that God's given us and experience what he, what he has for us. He's, he's handled so much, but we choose to cycle over and over and over again because we're too afraid to walk in the fullness of what God's given us. Fear keeps us trapped in old mindsets. To recap tonight, point number one is this. God's love breaks the chains of fear. God's love breaks the chains of fear. Number two, fear keeps us from experiencing God's power. And number three, fear keeps us trapped in old mindsets. Our action steps tonight, point num- or number one was this, examine yourself. I know that's hard and, and that may be a new concept, but you should actually look at your life and your choices and take an account of them. Examine yourself. Learn where your fear comes from. Identify what you were afraid of. Number two, read, study, meditate on, God, on the word of God and trust in God and his word. Let me say that one again. Again, it's, your Bible's not a coaster. It's not, it doesn't hold up the end of your couch, not a bookend. It's not an ornament for your desk. It's, it's meant to be studied. Read, study, meditate on the word of God and trust in God and his word. Number three, remember who you are and whose you are. The labels of the world don't apply as we step into a relationship with Jesus, right? We're, we're made right, we're redeemed, we're forgiven, we're sons and daughters of the most high. Right? Those are those truths that you learn in God's word. So remember who you are and whose you are, right? You belong to Christ that if you've accepted Jesus, you're his. And number four, ask the Holy Spirit to help you. Ask the Holy Spirit to help you. Listen to his voice and be quick to obey his promptings. Ask him to move, ask him to move. And so everything we talked about tonight, um, breaking the chains of fear, right? Being unchained from that, it, it all begins with a relationship with Jesus, right? Love is the thing that breaks that chain. Absent of the love of God, absent of the love of God, I, I don't believe that we can walk free of fear. But I believe that that's God's desire. That the type of fear that the enemy leverages, right? That spirit of fear, we're meant to be free of from it. And it, it starts with a relationship with Jesus. And there was things I talked about tonight, right? That, that power, that self-control, Those come from the Holy Spirit living on the inside of us. And that comes from a relationship with Jesus too. And so if you're in here tonight and you've never surrendered to him, you've never accepted that he was the son of God, that he lived and died so you could be saved and forgiven. If you've never done any of that, if you've never accepted him as your savior tonight, I wanna encourage you here in just a moment, we're gonna have some people down here at the front and they would love to pray with you and for you so that you can accept Jesus for the very first time. So you can find that freedom. So you can find that power, that love, that self-discipline. So you can find salvation. So you can find hope. And maybe you're in here and you've, you've done that, but you've gotten off track. You've missed the mark. And, and you just, you've recognized tonight that you need to get back on track. 
And you want to know, Pastor Aaron, can I do that? Absolutely. That if you need to recommit tonight, if you just want that assurance, our same offer stands. So we want to encourage you here in just a moment to step out of your seat, come down front and allow us to pray with you and for you so that you can recommit and come back home. And, and then maybe God's just been dealing with something. He's just been pressing, putting his thumb on it, making you squirm. Maybe you felt uncomfortable. And you realize, you recognize that you need to set something down. So if that's you tonight, we want to encourage you to get one of our white chips. There's nothing special about them. It's a piece of plastic. But I believe that when we step out in faith, when we recognize that God has the ability to move in our lives, that he can and that he will, when we do that, I believe that he honors that. And so if you're in here and there's something you need to lay down, I want to encourage you to come pick up a white chip. And then lastly, maybe you just need prayer. You're just in here and you just want somebody to pray with you. If that's you, we would love to pray with you. And so for any of those things, to give your life to Jesus for the first time, to recommit, to pick up a white chip, or just to receive prayer, we want to encourage you to step out of your seats and come down front. And if everybody would, if you would stand to your feet tonight as we close in worship.